terrible depression. And he wrote this in one of the books that, he, that I have read. And he, he wrote this about the first three verses of Psalm 77. And this is Charles Spurgeon. Now remember, he's way back early English, you know, like 17, 1800s, you know, so he talks different. Nobody talks like this nowadays. It says, Alas, my God, the writer of this exposition well knows that thy servant Asaph meant. So what he's saying is, I, I understand. And it's kind of a prayer. God, I know what Asaph's going through. For his soul is familiar with the way of grief. Deep glens of lonely caves of soul depressions. My spirit knows full well your awesome glooms. Let the song go softly. There is no merry dance for the swift feet of the daughters of music. Pause ye a while and let sorrow take breath between her sighs. It is in such a case that death is coveted as a relief for life becomes an intolerable burden. And this was the man that seen all these thousands of people saved and, and yet he had these same feelings that he, didn't, he couldn't be comforted. He, he was so depressed. He was, you know, depression is, is one of Satan's favorite tools in his toolbox. If he can get us depressed, what do we do? We forget God's promises. We forget the things that encourages us in his word. Remember, God never changes. He never leaves. God never stops working. God never abandoned us, and he never forsakes us. That's the reason you can almost count on it. When I get up here, I always remember what pastor said back in uh, 2011, I believe, when he told us that your friends will disappoint you, your emotions will deceive you, your circumstances will change, but God is forever faithful. I believe that I love my pastor, and I, I think he's pretty. I think he's very, very intelligent. But I believe that was something that God gave him. That I have used to get myself out of depression, to get myself out of discouragement, and then, of course, my my verse in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, and to give you an expected end. God knows what he's doing. He hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't done this stuff. None of this stuff caught him by surprise. It might have caught us, but none of this stuff catches him by surprise. When I heard the news today about Tyler having to go back in because they found something in on you. I didn't love doctors. They always say, well, there's something that kind of concerns me here. Good grief. You don't really know what it is, but you just scared the, you just scared everybody else half to death. So anyway, I was really discouraged and I got thinking, if I'm discouraged, what is his parents going through? If it bothers me, what about what they're going through? And what we did 
Saturday, or, I'm sorry, Sunday morning in Sunday school, and we kind of come around and gathered around, and everybody was telling our pastor, we support you. We got it. We know what we're, we know you're doing. We got this. And when we come together like that, that's what, that's what this is all about. That's what he's preaching about. That's what God's talking about. As we come together, one accord, and we remember Lamentations. Lamentations 3.21 says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So I, I look at this, and I, I, I read all this, and I, I think, you know, I, I want to do something. I want to I say something that is going to be profound. And the only thing that I can come up with, the only way that I can ever be profound is reading God's Word. That's it. There's nothing I got to say because that's what it says there in 1 Corinthians. That's the reason I read that first. I don't come with the, the great, I'm not eloquent with my speech. I don't come with the wisdom of men. It's the wisdom of God. God's the one that will encourage us. God's the one that's going to take care of us. One of the things that I try to make a practice of is read my Bible all the time because I truly believe that there's no other way that I can know what God is thinking unless I read the Word of God. Don't you just love it when people come up to you? Well, I know that God wouldn't do that. Well, how do you know that? What do you base that on? I've, I've asked several people that. Well, I just know he wouldn't do it. No, you don't. we got a Bible that will tell us what he won't do and what he will do. And he doesn't make exceptions, not for me, not for you, not for anybody. He, he makes no exceptions. The Word of God stands as it's written. I'm in a quandary here. I, I, I want to read a couple of different verses, and that's the reason I'm yammering, is I'm trying to make up my mind. You pray for me that I say what God wants me to say, and, and that's all. I think Romans 12 is where I'm supposed to be. And I want to read this. And I basically just, there's a couple of things that I've written down from my, my uh, mornings when I read my devotional and I read different things in the Bible. One of the things that I've, I noticed the other day, it kind of hit home. There's no limit to what you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. I thought that was pretty good. Our faith is not measured by how loudly we speak in public, but how consistently we exercise it in private. In Romans 12, it tells us about our service. It tells us how to be Consecrated. You start in there at the first verse and you read the whole 21 verses. 
and you kind of it will it will it will it it encourages me to know that God knows what He's talking about. Okay, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, holy. That that holy right there means that we're set apart. Holy, we're special. Holy means a concentrated effort. Holy, acceptable unto God. Doing it God's way. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in the one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. For the prophecy, let us prophecy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. You know what dissimulation means? Hypocrisy. Love, let love, there's no hypocrisy there. There's no agenda there. Your love should be without that hypocrisy. Now I lost my place. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one towards another. Mind not high things. But condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. I think we'll stop there. But the message that I wanted, I asked God to let me preach, let me teach, came out of Jeremiah. And one thing I want to share to you before I quit, share with you, is that in Jeremiah, I discovered, as many times as I've read it, I know that it says that. But in Jeremiah, the phrase, thus saith the Lord, and the Lord said to me, and the Lord told me to tell Israel, thus saith the Lord, I lost count. In the first, first two chapters, it was over 20 times. When Jeremiah preached, he said, thus saith the Lord. When we approach the Bible, when we approach God's word, we approach it, thus saith the Lord, and approach it with the attitude 
God, speak to me through your word, because this is your word. Thus saith the Lord. And he will bless that. I know he has for me. If he will for me, he'll do it for anybody. I thank you for your attentiveness. And I do appreciate each, each one of you. And I want to read my conclusion in Ecclesiastes 12. The conclusion of the whole matter. What is Ecclesiastes? Is it after Psalms? Huh? What'd you say, Joyce? What's oh, after Proverbs? Is it before Isaiah? Okay. Ecclesiastes 12. Ah, thought I had it in the 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment, and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Thus saith the Lord. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you for these folks. I ask, Father, that your word would be cemented in our minds and in our hearts. And please, Lord, comfort, guide each one of us. Remind us that you're in charge, you know what you're doing, and that you can be depended on, and that we can trust you. Thank you so much, Lord, for all that you do, for all your provision, for all your protection. We love you, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.